think about when your son comes home, your daughter comes home and something happened. I don't, let's say it's physical, doesn't matter if it's physical or mental, right? And the first thing, what's a dad say? Well, well, not, not all dads, but just punch him. <laughs> I'm like, like really just punch him. Like, that's the answer. Like your son's seven, your son's six, your son probably has never made a fist before in his life. He doesn't know what it's like to punch somebody. What, what is punching, you know, or just tell him to stop. Well, if, if these kids don't have a voice, if they have, if they don't know what it is to say, stop, or, you know, how to say it, the way it's said and all that, it, it means nothing. And that's part of, you know, that is part of helping these kids. When we talked about finding your voice, I find it for me as a dad, the most important thing that I hope I guided my children through is finding their voice. How's it, everybody, and welcome to the Dad Syndicate podcast. My name is Thomas Kingwell, and I'm the host of the show and the founder of the Dad Syndicate. Really stoked to be with you here again today to bring you another episode with another excellent father. Really excited to be a dad and just thinking about the privilege that it is to be a father and how stepping up as a man and owning my role as a dad and dealing with my issues and moving forward is helping me to appreciate every little moment. You know, it's great to be a dad, and I think that we make it better when we're present, when we're intentional about the things we were doing. I mean, I was just upstairs with my sick son who took a bath and um, I was just uh, drying him up and blow drying his hair. And I just thought there's such a mundane thing to some people sometimes and even can be a baggage. But I just looked at it in that way that it's a wonderful responsibility, a wonderful privilege to be that person that helps these little kids. Now, I have four children ranging from almost one years in age to my twins who are just about to turn nine and it is quite a challenge at times but definitely working on myself and being part of the dad syndicate and speaking to all these men every week and doing the dad stoic podcast that i produce on friday and all the research that goes with that has really helped me to become a better dad a more effective dad and a more calm and tranquil father who enjoys just the simple moments you know in life i think when we do the work to become men of value men of principle and men who don't let fear dictate who we are who we become then we start to step up in a way that helps us to enjoy being fathers more and then naturally has the role and effect of helping our families, our wives to really be the best they can be. And banding together with other men, I think is really important to being the most effective fathers we can be. And that's what we've done. We've created the Dad Syndicate Arena community online on Facebook. Really love to see more of you guys there. The quality of men in there is astounding and the caliber of conversation is also really on the high level and we want to keep it that way. I'm very fortunate that today's guest is part of the Dad Syndicate Arena community online, and his name is Anthony Cotaspotti. He has 25 years in financial planning and asset management business, and 33 years in martial arts. He owns and operates the Phoenix Way, which is a mixed martial arts school specializing in Koakushin Karate, hope I pronounced that right, and his main focus is that he's an advocate for helping others find their voice, and specifically for this podcast, helping children find their voice who are perhaps being bullied or are lacking confidence in general. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Anthony. Hope you guys get something awesome out of it. I know I did.
So welcome to the podcast, Andy. Andy, well, that's a great start. Welcome to the <laughs> welcome to the Dad Syndicate podcast, Anthony Codespotty. Very nice to have you here, Anthony. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Tom. How are you making out? I'm okay, man. It's been one of those busy weekends as usual for dads, and I'm coming off the end of a cold, so it's been a pretty challenging week trying to remain positive in the face of like being sick and stuff. And you know me, I'm like a school teacher and dealing with other people's kids. And then like you've heard about my daughter and her ADHD, dealing with my own kid and trying to like, you know, get wrap my own head around the fact that as a dad syndicate, I don't know everything and definitely am far from that. So it's been busy hanging out with some friends during the weekend, burning the candle at both ends. It's been a bit of a bit of an eye opener and I've got to just recalibrate, I suppose, this weekend and, and get things done. You've been a busy guy as well. You were at West Point, was it? For I was. I think it was the Wreaths Across America ceremony or and that had something to do with your daughter, actually. Yeah, my daughter was, uh, she's part of Wreaths Across America. We took the drive up to West Point and uh, it was, it was electrifying and um, more, uh, you know, not just being around, um, the the wonders of West Point, but just to see your own kid in that element, and there's hundreds of people there, and just to see her work the room, so to speak. Like I was so proud of her. You know, she's there shaking hands with you know generals and you know and um and with confidence, and I was so proud of her. And uh, you know, I wrote her a text. She was going. She's driving to Philadelphia with her mom right now and I'm texting her like, you know, like, you know, I love you. And I just, you know, just, just, I'm so proud of what I saw. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been a long week, man. I'm burning the, the candle a little on both ends here, but I'm amped, amped and ready to go right now. So, mm. well, I know, I mean, we want to get on to obviously the reason that you're here and I'm really excited to talk to you. I know we had a little bit of a discussion last time. Technology didn't play along. And even this time we've managed to hopefully get this down. So I'm really hoping it goes well this time. But um, you mentioned your daughter and I said to you during the week, like I watched your Facebook video, just one video with your daughter. And it was just so obvious to me, the bond that you had. I thought it was so cool that I could see a split second moment. You know, obviously that's not um, often the whole picture, but I think as a, da a fellow dad and as a teacher for so many years, it was just so obvious to see the bond and the affection that you had for you and the relationship that you had with you. And I think what I dig to speak with you or start the conversation with is just your relationship with your kids, because, you know, you get the pastor's kids and, you know, the pastor's, you know, the guy that's leading the congregation, yet his kids are totally wild and got a few stories about pastor's daughters <laughs> that I'll spare our audience with today. But, you know, you get guys that are making a difference in the world and you, you get guys that are telling other dads what to do, other men what to do. And then when you go home and look what their home's like and their relationship with their kids are, it's just not the same. And their kids are off the rails or rebelling and stuff. And I think it's really awesome that what you're doing for other people's kids, I think, is amazing. And when we get into that, uh, you guys that are listening, you're going to see uh, the powerful message and the powerful things that um, Anthony is doing. But I would like to just hear about that, about your kids and, and your relationship with them and, and, and how that how that happened. Yeah. First of all, like when you sent me that message about my kid, you know, about the interaction with Jordan, I mean, it felt good, like, because I'm like, I am doing all this and we have this connection and it isn't bullshit. You know, this is real. Yeah, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. my life. And, um, you know, but just to, to just to say, you know, those little touches like dads 
noticing those little things, even for me, it's like, who empowers me? I'm out there empowering everybody. And I get this message from you. And I saw it, man. I was like, I think I responded, right? Uh, it made me feel really good. It made me feel, it reassured me too, that I'm doing the right thing. And the relationship I have with my kids, I think is really special, but I worked at it and I made sure that that was the connection I was going to have. And it's a beautiful thing. Um, everything that I preach is what I live here in my home. And, you know, I'm, I, I don't need anybody else's BS. I just need what's working and what's real. And my kids are, they're everything to me. So, um, you know, just even like, you know, this, this whole thing about taking Jordan up to Reese across America, you, you know, I'm not here to control her life. I'm here to guide her. You know, I'm there to drive, you know, Hey, you need a ride. I'm going to, I'm going to drive you. And, um, these are special moments that we, we still have, you know, just the other day, um, she came to me and she had a project to do. And she said, dad, I have to do a project on the, the darkness within us and the light that comes from us. And I was like, Holy cow. I'm like, this is, this is crazy shit. Like what the hell is it? You know? And she said, dad, I'm just going to say blah, 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 blah. And I said, Jordan, I said, hon, I said, is that really authentic? Is this really the message you really want to get out there? And because, you know, this is about working on you. And it was like one of those moments because it's one of those things where she's going to look at me like, no, I'm going to do what I want and I don't really care. But it was thought provoking enough where she said, you know what, I'm not going to do that BS thing to appease my teacher. And I'm really going to put the paper what's in me and what I want to say. But it was a moment. She wrote it. I read it. She cried. She's 16 years old. She still sits on my lap. And you're really like, you know, this is still a strong bond. And you just want to know that your kid has enough trust and faith and care and love in you to come to you and you know, it's just a special thing, man. What, what can I tell you? Mm. I think that these things do develop naturally through love and being warm to your kids and, and, and being a dad that obviously values his position as a dad. And I think obviously it's a very special thing to be a dad and you can waste that a bit by not really realizing how unique and special and what a great responsibility that is. But I think when we spoke last time, you talked about your son as well and just the intentionality of the things you taught him. And I really like that. I really like that story that you told about him. I think it's Nick, isn't it? And he's he's 13, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 And and you just told me the story about just a simple thing um that you taught him one day. And that really impacted me and just to think, okay, well, you know, how many dads are really doing things like that? You know, you you might not you might not give yourself as much credit as 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 you do sometimes. I think we all do that. But I think from that story it just showed us a type of intentionality that I'd love before we get on to like we said, your mission and your message is, is just that intentionality. I don't know if you want to just give us a little bit of a rundown of that story. So, you know, I remember when I was at a, a soccer game and my son came running over and he interrupted the conversation and it sucked, you know, it was just rude. It's embarrassing. You know, the, the, the gentleman I was speaking with, you know, where it was, it just, it just, it's everything the parent, a parent does not want your son coming over and interrupting. And, 
I remember getting back in the car and I said to Nicholas, I said, I was really mad. Tom, I was mad, but I wasn't mad at him. I was mad at me. And I said, Nicholas, I says, I'm mad. And, you know, he thought I was mad at him. I said, I'm not mad at you. I said, I'm mad at me. And I was very clear about that. I said, I'm not mad at you. I'm mad at me. And um, because I didn't teach him, like we expect as fathers that, you know, our kids are going to. They're going to find their voice. They're going to be able to do all these great things that we want them to do. Shake hands, eye contact, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he didn't know. So when I got home that day, I remember I told my wife and and I said, listen, just take my daughter, take the credit cards, go, go shopping. Don't come home for hours. And I literally went in. I looked at my son. He was young at the time, six, seven years old, whatever it was. I said, bud, today I'm not dad. I said, my name is going to be Mr. Forsythe today. And I said, every time I walk in that room, I want you to get up. I want you to come over, lean in, give me that good handshake, firm eye contact, body structure. And then we're going to come up with what we're going to say to each other. Hi, Mr. Forsythe. It's really nice to see you again. Hi, Mr. Forsythe. It's really nice to meet you. And so on and so on and so on. But we did this all day to the point where we started laughing. He's giving me high fives. We're hugging and all that. And, you know, it's funny. Other fathers have asked me, um, you know, how did this all come about? Because they've seen Nicholas in, in 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 situations, and I get it all the time. They're like, "Your son is so polite. Your son is amazing." He said hello. He shook my hand, and it's like, yeah, because I taught him, and he and and let me tell you something. Yesterday at Reads Across America, hundreds of people, there's generals and all these very strong people there. Nick was like in it. I sent him a text today too. I'm like, hey, pal, I just got to tell you, I love you. What I saw <laughs> yesterday, I was so impressed. I mean, the, the beauty of being at West Point, the sights, the views, the the history, everything around me. But I was so proud of his confidence, that handshake. And it was the same damn handshake he did at six that he's doing at 13, but he's doing it with more confidence and gusto and he's making it his own. Right. Mm. And yeah, I think yeah, yeah. it's so powerful, man, the gift of his voice. I love this stuff, man. I love it. Mm. I know you love it. And there's a couple of things that just resonated me with, with me there that you just said now. And the main one was when you got into the car, you know, we so quick to get on our kid's case and, when we actually take the step back, we start realizing, like I get a little bit of goosebumps now actually, bro, because I think of so many times that I'm on my kid's case and then I actually should be mad at myself. You know, I should take that step back and go like, Tom, hang on, man. You didn't teach them this. You haven't been intentional. And I spoke to my wife the other day. I said, we need to like sit down and we need to become intentional about these things because we're so quick to blame them. And then, you know, added to that is that we're modeling behavior to our kids and we're not even modeling that behavior to our kids. You know, people walk past each other every day and don't even look in the eye and say hello. People right. are ignorant of each other. People are rude to each other. People don't have those, those, um, that respect. Or we don't look our kids in the eye. You know, they talk to us and we basically look straight through them or right. people do. And so for me, that's a, you know, I know that we, like I keep saying, we're on, going on to another message, but I really wanted to speak to you as a dad first because I think your message is so powerful because of who you are as a dad, first of all, and the relationship you have with your kids and the other things you bring to the table. But besides martial arts and besides helping kids find their voice and which we'll delve into, you know, um, helping kids deal with bullying at school. Um, you live that. And I think that those yeah. things play a huge role in setting up our, our kids up to not suffer like, like they do. Well, you know, it, what's interesting to me though, is I, 
you know, you always get, at, at least I do, I'm not saying all that, I do. Uh, you know, I would always think, am I doing enough? Because listen, man, I'm, I, we had these kids. They didn't have us, right? So, like, I wanted them. And, um, you know, am I doing enough for them? And I'm not a helicopter dad, you know, but, you know, I said, I want him more around me, just he and I. And I needed to divide and conquer with both kids. And so I wanted him to see me, my authentic self in my world and take him out to the places where I go and where I hang out. And I wanted him to see how I speak with people, how I shake their hands, how I show respect, how I build people. What do I say to them? How do I say that to them? But you know, it's not always enough just for him to emulate what I do. And that's why I got a little bit more into that role-playing kind of thing mm. because I needed to teach him. Now, will he, you know, as he gets older, will he reflect on the dad I was and how I am and all that? Yeah. Cause that's what I did with my dad. Listen, I, I am who I am because of my dad. And, um, but I needed it to happen sooner. You know, I, I didn't, I didn't want to wait, you know, I, it took me till 20, 30 years, 40 years old to really see the benefits of my dad. I wasn't going to wait that long. Yeah. With That's why mm -hmm. we did the role playing. And anytime right. I find that we need to, you know, that message needs, boom, we're going to do a role play out. And I love it. It works, man. It works. Mm. Yeah. I mean, the other thing that you said is that you saw it making, making it his own, you know, when you're at West Point and you were at that yeah, ceremony, you saw him making it his own. And it's, I think that's so cool. You know, you, you took him there and, and at six, seven, it was yours. And yes. then it slowly became his and he was kind of copying you. And then eventually it just becomes theirs. I think the satisfaction that comes from that must be amazing. And the other thing that I thought was amazing was you were at West Point with all these generals and all these things that you could see. And what were you looking at? You're looking at your kids. And I think that's what we sometimes we get us as dads can also get distracted by everything else in life or everything else that we're running after, you know? And I think that keeping the eye on the kids and keeping the eye on that relationship and being intentional because you've made it, man, you've made it to, I mean, it's not the end of the road, but you've made it to the teenage years with that bond intact. And a lot of dads step out and uh, wait to step up, you know, until their kids are like eight, nine, 10, they go, Oh, well, I'm going to wait till the eight, nine, 10 when they can really, you know, the early years are fine. Meanwhile, that's the whole time when you're forming that bond and things. And then, and then once you get to the teenage years, you, a lot of dads want to jump in and tell kids what to do, like you say, no. instead of being able to step back and watch them make yeah. it their own by the age of 13, they're trying to make their kid do what they want them to do. And so I thought that was, those are three points from what you said, a, which is gold, bro. And that's why I wanted to speak about that before we jump into the other things. Yeah. Cause I think that awesome for me, it's, it's the three things that I'm going to, that I've written down on my page here now and three things that I'm going to look at myself when I leave the podcast. And that's what I love about doing this is that I, as a, as a dad, I see more and more, uh, the areas that I can grow. And every time I talk to a guy like yourself who, or Alan, who, whoever I've talked to, it's just been that little, little building blocks to, like you say, like you don't want to leave it so late, you know, to, to realize that. And I think the earlier we can do it, the better. So I appreciate that. But Unless there's something else you want to add on that subject. Well, I mean, just think about it, right? So, and let's real quick, but think about yeah. when right. your son comes home, your daughter comes home and something happened. I don't, let's say it's physical, doesn't matter if it's physical or mental, right? And the first thing, what's a dad say? Well, well, not, not all dads, but just punch him. <laughs> I'm like, 
like really yeah, yeah. You can punch him like that's the answer like your son's seven your son's six your son probably has never made a fist before in his life he doesn't know what it's like to punch somebody what what is punching you know or just tell him to stop well if if these kids don't have a voice if they have if they don't know what it is to say stop or you know how to say it the way it's said and all that it means nothing and that's part of you know that is part of helping these kids when we talked about finding your voice i i find it for me as a dad the most important thing that i hope i guided my children through is finding their voice it's finding their voice man but we got to practice they got to practice Kids don't know shit at six years old, five years old. Even I get these kids coming in, you know, three years old, four years old. And, you know, uh, I, I can go on and on, but but go ahead. No, but I mean, I think it's important what you say. I think a lot of us want to throw quick fixes at our kids, you know. We, yeah. we don't want to do the legwork, but then we're like, hey, punch them in the face or do this. <laughs> hey, man, I've been guilty of I've been guilty of the same thing because something rises up in us that our son hasn't been prepared for that moment. And why is my son not prepared for that moment? Because... I haven't been as intentional as I could be. Now, I've been more intentional than most, most likely. But still, I haven't prepared him for the moment. So the moment happens. What do I want to do? I want to get the quick fix. I want him to just go and, like, punch the guy. Kid doesn't know Jack. Who knows what's going to happen to him if he does that without preparation? And I suppose that segues nicely into what you are doing. And I think, like, being an advocate for others to find their voices is is an awesome thing because a lot of the times when we talk about self-defense or we talk about martial arts, we always – you know, we're thinking about the physical first, you know, we're thinking, ah, oh, he's going to go there, he's going to learn how to, how to fight people. Whereas you've got your, your uh, organization or your gym that you've started with this, focusing on helping kids against bullying. But you start mainly, as you say, with helping kids find their voice. And you, last time you shared with me these four rules, these, the four F, the four ways that you focus yourself. And I, I'd love to hear a little bit more about that, about how you help kids first find their voice before they start so, you know, the last resort. <laughs> I will tell you this. The one thing that I've learned from, you know, I've been in the martial arts for 33 years and I started this school called the Phoenix way and 33 years of being around children. Um, you know, you start to learn a lot. And the one thing I can tell you is the strongest thing a kid has is his voice. You know, every dad wants to, you know, not, I hate to keep saying every dad, but, yeah. you know, you hear, you know, a lot of parents will say, you know, you know, just got to be big, strong, do this, do that. No, their voice needs to be big and strong, not their fist. Yeah. Because yeah. most of the time, if you can teach their ch a child to find their voice, to be confident, to appropriately say the right things at the right time, most of the time things never go physical. So when, you know, when I put, you know, when I, when I started working and putting my program together at the Phoenix way, the, the what happened was I was so hyper-focused on developing these awesome martial artists, the, the kicks and the punches and all this magic. Right. And I got a phone call one day from one of my parents and the parent called me and I could tell they were really upset. And, um, he said, listen, you know, my son's getting bullied and I, my stomach just dropped. I got, I felt sick because, because the father who called me, uh, the son I was teaching, just use his name, Derek, whatever. Um, Derek was like Mr. 
you know, he was like Captain America. He was a total stud, young kid, super athlete, um, unbelievable physical specimen. And he was remarkable at the martial arts. And when you get a phone call from a parent that your star student is being bullied, it was a gut check. And we couldn't figure out why he was getting bullied. And when I got to finally speak to Derek, he finally came clean and he said, I can't stick up for myself. I says, oh my God, what the hell is going on here? And he says, I can't because if I do, I'm going to be in trouble at school and with my parents. And I says, holy shit. It was mind blowing for me. It was a life changing my my life changed in one moment and i i i'll never forget it i i got in my car went home i saw my wife i said i said i'm done i said i'm changing the whole program and she's like what's going on i says if derek's getting bullied and he's not standing up for himself then this is all bs and i changed the program and said okay we're gonna start all over and i said okay I'm finally understanding that these schools are teaching self-helplessness and okay. Everybody's like, what the hell does that mean? I said, well, it's very simple. Our children who are good are being taught that they can't have a voice and they can't defend themselves. The priority is to rush to an adult. So instead of being able to verbally and physically set their boundaries, they can't, they got to go to an adult. They got to find a teacher. They got to go to the principal. They got to go to the nurse like whatever it is. And in that moment, I realized that our children have been practicing and role-playing every day at school, how to not have a voice and how to not physically defend themselves. And I said, no more. And that's when we started this whole new movement of um, the three T's, which is the talk, tell, tackle, helping the kid, these kids find their voice through um talking to the person who's bothering them physically or mentally, you know, back away, leave me alone, stop, whatever. Then we transition to, to tell, because if it doesn't stop, these kids go and they do elicit help. Sometimes you still need help. I got to go tell my mom, Hey, this kid's bothering me. What do I got to do? Or go to a teacher or go to a best friend or, you know, go elicit help. And then last that third T, which is, which is tackle. It doesn't always mean physically tackle, but we're going to tackle the, the issue with a little bit stronger, you know, bravado in there and a little bit more, as Alan would say, swagger. Um, and then, hey, listen, if it goes physical, you have to allow your child uh, that they do have the right responsibility to who physically and mentally gets close to them. And, and if parents don't wake up to this, they have to really understand. Like I tell my kids, you must go home and have these talks with your parents. I send text blasts to my parents. Parents, you need to talk to your kids. Like you need to have a heart to heart and look them in the eye. And it has to be more than once. And you got to look at them and say, hey, listen, I love you. And I care about you. And if this happens, you have the right. I've got your back. Because you know your kid's a good kid, right? And so very, very important. So um, I think at the, at the end of the day, me as a parent, 
um, we do have a lot of responsibility uh, in, in helping our kids with the finding the voice, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And and how do you do that? How do you help kids find their voice when their parents bring them to you and they first come there to the first day to to Phoenix and they and they introduce to you and you get going with them? What do you what do you start with them with? Here's what's interesting when when let's just forget the kid who's already confident and assured of himself. Let's go to the kid who's kind of not assured of himself or already being bullied to a degree where they're not going to school. Um, they're making bad decisions, um, going directly to the room, getting in bed, crying at night, you know? So what do we do? The kid comes in and, you know, I get to meet them. They get to meet me. I bring them on the mat and we really cover four key rules. And I always tell the parents and I tell the kids, if I never see you again, I want you to really think about these four rules that all my kids know. So the first thing is I have them stand there. I say, the first thing when I say is when I say, focus your eyes, I want you to focus your eyes on my eyes. And I ask them again, I say, so when I say, focus your eyes, where should your eyes go? And they'll say your eyes. Second, I say, when I focus your body, I want you to stand like this. So you're standing confidently, you're strong, your head is up, your shoulders are strong, your hands are at your side and your body looks strong. So when they start seeing how I look, then I'll go back to like that passive kind of stance where my legs are close, my hands are together. I'm looking down, my head's down. And I ask the kid, what do I look like? And they'll, they'll tell you, you look weak, you look scared, right? Do you want to look weak and do you want to look scared? No. I said, then I'll stand back to focus body. And, and the kids can see, you know, there you, and then I'll say them again. I'm like, how do I look now? And they'll immediately tell me, you look strong. Yeah. How do we want to look? I want to look strong. Great. Then I get to the third point, focus your mind. So we talk about focusing your mind. What does that mean? Focusing on what you're doing. So it doesn't matter if I'm, if, if I'm telling you to stand there, you're focusing on standing. I don't care if you're in math class, you're going to focus on math class. So when I say focus your mind, what does that mean? Focus on what you're doing. And last is focus your voice. So a lot of times when you're particularly in a, in a classroom setting, um, you know, kids can be loud. They can be goofy. You're a teacher. You, you know, all the biorhythms of the kids, right? And so when I say focus your voice, these kids know they zip it. But in the real world, they know, use their voice. And these kids all know that the strongest thing a kid has is their voice. It's not their muscles. It's not how much they can squat. It's not how hard they can punch. It is their voice. And and as soon as they can really harness that and understand that, the confidence just, it just sails. So, and all of a sudden, when they go to school, these kids that are having Issues with being picked on, bullying, spit on, pushed into lockers, tripped, all the crap that goes on out there. All of a sudden, three, four classes go by and it's gone. Why? Because now they start understanding, oh, this is how I'm supposed to be. Eye contact, strong body language, you know, focus on what I'm doing and last, have a voice, right? So that's really what I focus on when I'm in the school with, with my kids and, and with my own kids here at my house, you know? So how do you get them to find their voice? So obviously the way we speak to someone is, is pretty important how we do it. You know, I can obviously talk to you in a very 
quiet, very docile voice. But I think that, you know, you can say words, but they're not as effective when the tone of voice isn't really in line with with what you want to convey. Yeah. So what I always do is it's really interesting. It's, you know, first of all, I love working with, I love working with people, right? Kids, adults and whatnot. And as much as what we're saying here applies for kids, it applies just to as much to adults, right? So, um, and you have to give up, you have to be a little selfless because you have to kind of make yourself look like, you know, you got to, you have to play things up a little bit. So the easiest and fastest way in your home or in a martial arts school, doesn't matter. The easiest and fastest way that I learned that I could teach children and people to find their voice is we talk about this bad dog voice. And I learned this years ago where, um, because what, here, here's what would happen. I would say to a kid, well, did you tell him to stop? Yeah, I said, stop. I said, so you said, stop. And, you know, like if I, if there's like 30, 40 kids in front of me and I say, stop, they'll all laugh, right? They, you'll hear all these kids laugh. But then when I say, stop, stop, all of a sudden the room gets really quiet, the eyes go wide and they kind of lean back. So then you ask them, you know, first of all, it's not the words that they use. It's how they use those words. And, you know, you and I had a little conversation uh, before. These kids all know it's not the words that you use. It's how you say those words. So if you want to tell someone to back away, back away, meaning that's like, please, just please just back away and go or back away. But you have to role play this out with the kids. So we got this bad dog voice going, right? So we, you, you got you to gotta like... These kids need to feel they, they want the story, right? They want the story. Like I'm telling you, Tom, if you, if you get off this call podcast with me and you go talk to your kid and you say, Hey, listen, I want to talk to you a little bit about, you know, just bad dog voice. This is, I learned this awesome stuff, but you're like, Hey, you know, what would you, what would happen if, you know, first of all, how many kids here have dogs? You know, the hands all go up and say, so how would you feel like if you go into the kitchen and the garbage can is torn all up, the, the bag is ripped open and there's food all over the floor. And then I asked the kids, so what, you know, if the dog got into the food, what, what would be on the floor? Oh, eggshells and coffee grinds and papers and all this, right? Cause you want to pull them in. You want them, you know, vested in this story. Great. So, you know, the, 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 it's all, okay. How would you feel now that you have to clean it up? It's a mess. And they're like, we'd be mad. Right. So what would you say to the dog? And then I would get down and, you know, get down and be like, you silly, silly little dog. You bad, bad dog. And so obviously, what, what are the kids going to do? They laugh and like, no, no, we went right. So how would we say it? Bad dog. And then I make them say it with me. Bad dog. So you teach them this bad dog voice because they want to say it from their upper chest. And you want to teach them to say it from those like deep in their belly. Bad dog. And then without them even knowing it, I'll say back away. And so the kids were like, back away. And all of a sudden you're playing this game, bad dog, back away, leave me alone, stop. And they're doing it with a finding their voice through practice, finding their voice through role-playing 
It's a safe environment. And then you start adding in all that goes to it. Okay, how many, you know, we, we start covering the ABCs, right? So part of the ABC, B being boundary setting. How many feet do we usually stay from somebody that has, you know, means us harm? Two to three steps. Where are our hands? Our hands are up. Where are our eyes? On them. How's our body? Strong. One foot back. Hands up. Where's our mind? Focused on them. Where's our voice? Strong. Back away. Leave me alone. So these are all things that you could do in your house. Mm. You can't tell, like, listen, if anything, you can use these kind of drills, if anything, just to kind of have a fun, funny, verbal thing to do with your kids. Because I'm telling you right now, as a father, doing it with my kids, we had fun. Doing it in my studio with, with all my kids there, we laugh. And when kids laugh, they learn. And when they learn, they implement, right? And then when they implement, they're confident. Uh, what more can I say? So what kind of like experiences have you had of success with these guys? I mean, how, how long does it usually take? I mean, every kid's obviously an individual, so it's not going to be a one-size-fits-all timing and that, you know, the same amount of times with you. But how quick do you see the change around? Or do you have any examples that you can share with us? That's an awesome question. And I'll tell you this. When you, you know, me being a father, when you get a phone call from a mother, a mother or father, and they're, they're literally crying on the phone because their child's being bullied. Um, you, you know, I've been doing this long enough to where I can say to a parent, like, listen, I don't need to go into the whole, my spiel, right? Here's my spiel. Just have faith in me. Have faith and belief in me. I mean, this is a, we're, we're two minutes into a phone call. Just have faith and belief in me and get your child to me. And if it doesn't call your name when you're here, we walk out, you shake my hands, we're done. But when I can get that child to me, because you got to remember, I'm more, I am more about helping that kid than the school athlete. I don't, you know, it's funny. Some people are like, you want the athletes, you want the great kids that, you know, can, they're going to be awesome at them. I'm like, I don't really give a shit about that kid. I care about the kid that needs me. That's who I want. So get that kid to me, get them into the class. A, it's, it, it does help in a classroom setting, to be honest with you, because they get to see all my other kids confident. So they get to see what it looks, they, they get to see what confidence looks like. And then they start practicing all this, you know, when they're standing, you know, stronger, voice gets stronger, eyes get stronger, all these things happen. So yes, it is easier and it does happen quicker in, in my school environment. And at home means you'd have to carve out a little bit more time to work with your child. Right. But listen, man, I'm talking like 10 minutes. You don't need hours at home working with your kid. You know, it's it's something that I, I've been thinking about a lot because I think what we do and what you what just struck me there was we, we do. We want to help the we want to step on, you know, and, and help the, the football kid or the guy that's the sportsman or the academic, you know, and a lot of parents, they take pride in that. And, and when kids don't measure up to our expectations, I think a lot of dads, you know, I think they maybe check out a little bit of these kids that aren't, you know, aren't showing those things. And, and it's just like you as, you know, there's a lot of coaches and teachers at school that will then give so much time to those ones. And although we do help kids um, academically, you know, the ones that require support, I don't think that those kids, like you say, a lot of those kids go missing. 
you know, in the process. And these are the kids that end up depressed. These are the kids that are at, at, at worse. And I mean, hey, it's a reality, Anthony. It's, it's a sad thing to even talk about. But there are kids that commit suicide because, of, I mean, it, it's probably quite widespread, actually. I watched the documentary, broke my freaking heart, especially because the kid in the, in the story had the same name as my son, which really was like, wow. Um, yeah. Kids that committed suicide because of bullying at school. And you just think like, wow, man, how can we let these kids crack, slip through the cracks? And, and as dads, how do we how do we come so oblivious that we don't even know that they're on this path? And I think it's wonderful what you're doing. And I think, I think it's important for parents to be able to recognize those signs. Are you, are you involved in that as well? Helping parents recognize the signs that show that your kid is in that situation? Absolutely. Like, you know, when it's so clear, but you know what happens, you know, the parents, you know, sometimes when you have a child that is resonating on that kind of a level, you know, obviously, you know, listen, I'm telling you, I mean, I'm dealing with these parents, right? I've dealt with so many children that were in this, you know, the kids have the same feeling that, hey, I don't want to be here anymore. Like, it's going to be easier for me to kill myself than to stay here and handle it. And, you know, so, and and a lot of times, a lot of those kids will start, then they go down the path of drugs, right? Okay, I'm going to try pot try this. And I see that all the time too. Um, but it's just an escape, right? But the parents, you know, believe me, as many as you think that don't see the behavior, they do see the behavior, but they don't know what to do. And then they start to, oh, we need to bring them to a, you know, a therapist, and we, which is fine, right? Therapy does work. If a kid is in that kind of situation, yes, get them help. Um, but what I've found is these kids that aren't going to school, that exhibit all the behaviors, like things change, right? One, one year you have a kid who, um, who's happy, smiling, great kid, all of a sudden introvert, doesn't want to talk, uh, comes right home, goes right to the room, uh, becomes very disconnected, uh, all these things start happening. I mean, come on, you as a parent don't see this. Like, give me a break. Like, you see it, but you want to do something about it. Um, but I mean, I tell you what, I, I just have so much faith and belief. Like, get that kid to me. I mean, even kids like overseas, like, you know, shit, call me. Get me on Face. Get me on the phone with these kids. Get, 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 Skype me. Like, because I ain't going to let this kid go. Yeah, like, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I'm going to show them, like, hey, we ain't going. <laughs> the mm. only place we're going is someplace better than where you are right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I believe that. Um, but it's, you know, it's so very hard to connect with these kids. It really is. Uh, and sometimes it does take somebody other than the parent. Yeah. You know, that's just, just a fact. I think sometimes it's hard for parents just to admit that. I think you sometimes feel like a failure. I think even the times that my son hasn't standed up for himself, stood up for himself, sorry. I just think like um, it's that moment of thinking, oh, like my, my son's not like, because especially I grew up a very aggressive kind of kid. You know, I wasn't really yeah. fighting physically, but I was known to walk over people's paintings and not really give a shit when I was small. And, and so I wasn't really the target of that kind of stuff. So when anyone messed with me, I played rugby and all these kind of things. So I... And then, and then you kind of, and in our day and age, it was a quite a different thing. You know, I, I think there was bullying in our days, but because the system was so much tighter, you know what I mean? Teachers were always watching us. We always had to sit still. We always had to walk in a single line in, in school. And we always had like quite a structured environment. I didn't see it happening as much, but um, I grew up quite tough in that, that way. And then I look at the world today and I look at my son and I think, well, he must be like me and he needs to be like me. 
but that doesn't yeah. happen. That happens through having teachers like I had that really kind of, I just had to become like tough because that's how it was. Like I was grade right. three kid and I was, I rode my bike into the school grounds. I was a new kid, grade three. So nine years old. And the grade five teacher suddenly summons me like halfway across the school. I didn't even know where he was. Walked in the class and this guy screamed at me so loud in front of his whole class that I couldn't speak anymore. I couldn't speak. I literally was. And then that was just the way it was. And then I remember jumping over a fence on like a field trip once, like a fence that was like just yay high. Um, and my teacher told me not to. So I got back to school. She sent me to the same teacher's class, although this time I was in grade five and he was another class teacher. And in front of the whole class of like 30 kids, he just bent me over, smacked me with a plank, took a plank like this and whacked me like three times as hard as he could in front of the class. I didn't even cry. I just was like, okay, oh, Mr. Baxter, like, sorry, man, no, I won't do it again. And that was my childhood. So we, we grew up in a much more, we grew up in a very different world, like where we just were in South Africa, especially where you're just being tough was kind of like, the thing and then you play rugby as a sport um and now the world i find is and maybe you want to actually comment on this i don't know if it is like this and maybe i'm, I'm off course here but i feel the world is producing boys that are just softer and aren't able to stand up for themselves and then you've got on the other hand you've got bullies that also are not receiving the guidance and the boundaries at home that are then also feeling inadequate and are coming to school and trying to take out that on the weaker people so what, what I'm seeing is you, you got to remember when you're in the constant flow of, of speaking with children and adults, um, but I'm also speaking to kids and asking questions all the time. What's going on at school? Um, how, you know, I'm asking the questions to help these kids that are being bullied, right? So here's a couple of things. One, bullies are they're smart right so they know when they're going to you know they 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 know who their target is they know when they're going to 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 attack physically and mentally generally it's going to be when an, an adult's not around the the statistics all show that the majority of the time a bully is going to go after a kid in school is when an adult's not around right so um, and once again, when the bully does pick on that child, the, the child, the good child knows that, hey, wait a minute, the rules are I can't defend myself physically and mentally. This is the rules because we're both going to get in trouble. So the bully doesn't give a shit if he gets in trouble. The good kid cares, right? Because yeah, yeah. he doesn't want to be he doesn't want to be thrown out of school. He doesn't want his parents all mad. And that's part of the whole thesis of why I'm saying is like if a parent comes to me and they said, "Yeah, we want you to work with our child." I said, "Well, okay, well our agreement between you and I as the as parents is you need to have that conversation and your child needs to understand that you give them the right and responsibility to choose who gets close to them physically and mentally and you have to give them that right to defend themselves. Mm -hmm. And and if you don't, please believe me, these kids are scared. They're scared because they're hearing all day long in school, you cannot do this. And so now, you know, people, I, I get it all the time. Parents are telling me all the time, I just don't understand. You know, Tommy's so sensitive, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, come on. Of course they are. I mean, all day, they, they are at school longer than they are with us, right? Mm -hmm. So they're hearing this, they're indoctrinated into this world of don't use your voice, you know, be a good boy, uh, be like Susie, by the way, be more like Susie. Yeah, yeah. For and sure. so now, 
And so, and, and by the way, if I can just go off on this little, mm-hmm. little tangent here, if this is the, this is an unbelievable dynamic of being a teacher and seeing how I've seen things change, particularly in the martial arts and seeing how boys are versus girls years ago, girl would come. They're a little bit more demure, demure, um, you know, maybe not as strong voiced and physically fit and all this kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden, as years go on, these girls, man, they're empowered. And I love it. Give me an empowered. I want to empower these women. I love it. I love empowering these kids. But I'm like, wait a minute. These girls are, they have stronger voices, stronger body posture. They're getting after it tougher and harder than the boys. Mm. And they're enduring the physical contact mentally stronger than the boys. I was like, what the hell is going on here? Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you're seeing that the same kind of thing in your world as a teacher, um, but I definitely am seeing a lot more boys, a lot more sensitive. Uh, and I do hear that a lot more from parents like, hey, he's just like really sensitive. <laughs> and so, you know, now I'm dealing, you know, when, when I get them to work with them, yeah. um, it's I have to put a little bit more oomph into helping them find their voice, body structure and all that. And what's even more interesting is I see more and more today bullying amongst girls than boys. So a lot of times, you know, I'll have, you know, parents more focused on their son being bullied um, on that physical side, but these girls are throwing down just as much as boys are these days. Mm -hmm. What are the statistics on girls committing suicide and boys committing suicide because of bullying? Is there more statistics? I'm just asking because I wonder if it's more of an identity destroyer of a boy that he just when he's bullied and he's pushed down so much that it ends up being that final solution or is it just a widespread thing or are girls also as as at risk as boys in that in that area epidemic and it's an epidemic across the board boys and girls um with all the cyber and internet it must be it's even worse i think well that's that's what i was just going to say the cyber bullying is a real problem and we as parents need to do the best that we can to help our children set those boundaries even online so we you know i'm always talking to you know in in the classroom you know you're you're physically showing people how to physically set a boundary but we as parents need to help our children set those boundaries online and what does that mean it's like come on man like you know these kids can't escape bullying if they mm-hmm. get bullied at school they come home they're getting texts they're getting you know all these different messages online um and they can't get away from it um and <clears throat> let's face it it's one of the greatest challenges that we have today as parents mm. at least i see that as one of the greatest challenges is how are we going to protect our kids online because these words are very very powerful if i if if i interview 30 40 50 kids and i said you know i say to them um you know how many of you had somebody say something to you that really hurt your feelings or was really mean and all the hands would go up. Okay, well, who can tell me here? Um, who was it and what they say? And they can't remember, <laughs> right? Maybe one offs like, oh, Tom, you know. But if you, if, if I say, how many of you have gotten a text? Mm-hmm. 
and somebody sent something mean to you, how many have gotten a mean text? Let's see all the hands go up. Oh, who was the text from and what did it say? Oh, it was it was Susie and she told me that I would And why is that? Because they're sitting there looking at the message over and over and over. And you have this child who's sitting in the bedroom, who's so young and they don't understand. And maybe they don't have the confidence to go talk to mom and dad about it or a friend or another trusted advisor. And they're looking at this message and you're like, well, why would they say that to me? Like, I'm not a bad person or I'm not mean. And they're, they're trying to interpolate this message, right? And they're just rereading it, rereading it. And it, it could be maddening to a child. So I find that fascinating that they can't remember that one or one off of a kid saying something mean to them, but they remember that, that those words that were read, right? They remember that post. So it's very powerful, man. Mm, I've never even looked at it like that. The rep- the, repeti- the repetitive nature of that, that you can just keep repeating, looking at it, analyzing and thinking about it. And, you know, I mean, obviously we think about things that happen to us bad, but it's, but it's kind of dissipates in our memory. Whereas you're right. It's like the text is there, the post is there. And I think we can obviously talk about how your, um, your approach in your martial arts school to physical bullying and people bullying each other at school. I think we can apply that to cyberbullying. And I think, I think you and I are going to have hopefully many more conversations, Anthony, after this one. I'm really stoked at what we've had tonight. I think it's great. I think that applying that to cyberbullying might be a good episode on its own. I think yeah. that we could definitely talk about that. And I think separating that might be actually quite a cool idea so that people that can tune in exactly to that. I think that's that's happening probably wider spread than we than we know. And it's, and it's frightening for me with my kids. You know, they're asking me for cell phones now. Obviously, they're going eight and nine and it's right. shocking to me, parents giving giving their kids cell phones as early as the age of four. And some of the kids in my school in grade one have iPhone 11s already. And it's just kind of like, wow. And that we open <clears throat> that we open this kind of world to them. And, and we're as adults. I just had a conversation with another friend of mine about tech and how it's not this, not this demon or we shouldn't villainize it as adults because we should take ownership and be responsible. And, and it should treat it like any other bad thing for us, you know, like treat it like alcohol or treat it like drugs or anything that we would normally say no to and have control over we need to have control over our phone usage but the kids are different you know the kids are are innocent still they don't know they're watching us to take their lead and it's really important that parents step up so to end off i'd just love to to pick your brain for a few points that you would love to leave any dad listening to um listening to this with and how to deal with these things yeah so you know first of all um you know I want to just address one thing when you yeah, spoke sure. to me about your, your child, like with ADHD, right? Yeah. So I, I truly believe from what I see with interviewing and talking to so many parents, speaking with children and dealing with it within my own four walls, right? That I truly believe that when you allow these young children unrestricted access to technology, you know, you got to remember the game theory, right? What's the game theory? It's to get you addicted and they're so good at it, right? It's, 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 they're so good at it. 
And, you know, you could see, you know, whatever games, you know, Fortnite, whatever it's going to be, you see these kids, man, and, and they're in it. And so it's this constant, 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 you know, endorphin rushes, boom, 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 edification, win, go, higher, go. And all of a sudden you take that away and it's like this crash and they need it, right? They need it again. So now all of a sudden I hear day after day after day after day, every kid has ADHD, well, okay, what's the problem? Well, they go to school and they're not paying attention and not this and not that. Well, yeah, because they are always looking for that next thing and you're asking them to sit in this chair, right? And so I'm not painting a brush and saying every kid that is being diagnosed with ADHD, it's technology driven. But I will tell you that when um, direct correlation with speaking to parents and saying, Hey, you need to now put limitations on gaming. Um, just like with my son, you know, during the week, we're like, Hey pal, there's no gaming during the week. <laughs> game week is for school. If you want to game, the weekend is there. And I definitely, you can see a direct correlation in his behavior, how he thinks, how he fidgets, how all of these things that he does, I see a massive difference when he's not gaming. So people want to make all excuses why gaming's okay now. Well, yeah, everything in moderation. Eight hours straight? Come on, give me a break. I see when when you take that back and, you you know, I do see a huge change in the child. Well, I don't have gaming in my house at all, <laughs> actually. Like my kids don't have, don't have Xbox, no PlayStation. I've got an old Nintendo from, there's a little box that re- was Mario Brothers on that we used to play, but my kids are totally... Are totally not into that at my house, but my kids are in a divorced family, so they live with their mother where there's a lot more tech than in my house. But I don't think it's, I don't think it's extreme. But I agree with you because it's not just gaming. Obviously, it's technology, it's movies, it's it's not moving around, it's not yeah, getting outside. Oh, I mean, it's YouTube, it's it's all everything. I mean, yeah. I, I don't want to just paint the brush. I'm not painting the brushes gaming. But the other thing too is like when I talk to parents and they're telling me, well, they were diagnosed ADHD, and I don't know, we, we may have to medicate our child. Blah, blah. So I said, okay, well, well, you know, I remember when my son was younger, the, a teacher told us, you know, Nicholas isn't really paying attention, and he's da 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 And so I remember we went to observe him in class, and I remember seeing what he was doing. He was looking at all the ABCs, and he was looking at everything in the class. And I remember just – he was bored. He wasn't inspired. Yeah. And when we spoke to him, he was like, dad, I, we were, I was, I was doing the EBCs and it, you know, he didn't want to watch this goofy video that they had going on. So a lot of times I'll tell people if, Hey, your child, you know, is diagnosed with ADHD, like really figure it out. Like, do you see those behaviors in your home? Do you see it when you're out with the child? Do you see it in it, in their extracurricular mm-hmm. activities and gymnastics and all that? And, and then I would say, okay, let's go back and correlate it back to school. Are they just not inspired in school? Because to be a teacher, you have to be able to capture them. Mm. And, you know, I see myself as a teacher, you know, yeah, I've got kids that are, that want to drift, but I can't allow that. Right. I can't allow that. Even kids that do have ADHD and think, dude, there's so much you got to think about when, when it comes to, to all that. But last, you asked me how to wrap it all up. I would say the most important thing that we can do for 
as as dads for our children is to help them find their voice. And if anything, have a little fun and start by doing that fun little role play in your house. Um, you know, play the show them how to shake hands, show them how to have good eye contact when you do that, show them how to lean in and give that firm handshake. Teach them the verbal cues that they need to know because they don't know hi. You know, that's that they know that, but they don't know, you know, hey, Mr. Forsyth, it's really nice to see you again. They they need to be taught all that. And 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 to end, the strongest thing a kid has is their voice. Mm-hmm. So if I give them the gift of their voice, things are pretty you know, they'll they'll work out pretty good. I mean, I've got two great examples of that, you know. No, exactly, man. I really appreciate you. I'm so stoked that we got connected, man. It was uh, serendipitous. And I think, as I said, I think you and me can have a lot of conversation. I think the ADHD one is another one that links that links nicely to what you're doing. And, I, and as I said to you before, I think it was just before the call, that the martial arts have been known to awesome. actually help with kids with ADHD to get them get them moving and to get them focused. And I think that's I think it's a very good thing that you said there about, you know, being inspired. And I think a lot of kids are walking around uninspired by life. You know, they're uninspired by teachers, they're uninspired by the things that we might have been inspired by because they're so distracted by technology and everything else that happens now. And I think that even, I bet you would even find a correlation between that and bullying, that they're not living with passion, that they're not living with aliveness. You know, I ran through my childhood like a freaking, like a rocket, you know, it was just like, tennis and rugby and I was surfing and I was running I was climbing trees and I was climbing hills and I was do you know what I mean there was no time to go like oh poor me and I just think that our kids are just so sedentary and are so are so like that and I think that your message is I mean your message is massive Anthony I really think that I really hope that I can help do my little part for spreading and get people to connect with you and that this starts this starts the ball rolling for you and that it starts because I mean not rolling for you I mean rolling for you in that you just have a great way of communicating. You have a great way of expressing this. You have developed and 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 raised two great kids that are that are respectful. You've got what's the name of your karate jojo? It's the Phoenix. It's the Phoenix Way. So I'm I'm on the Phoenix Way on Instagram, Facebook, and it's thephoenixway.com, and that's how I can be reached. And 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 listen, any father listening to this. Um, you know, messages me, calls me, questions. I'm open for anything, man. Like I, I got the energy to to talk to anybody. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. And, and another way to get hold of Anthony is to join our Facebook group. Yes, <laughs> the Dad Syndicate Arena, because you joined it recently. I'm really yeah. glad you're there, and I hope that you'll be able to obviously contribute. It's it's just getting started, but I think you can agree with me, Anthony. You've probably seen some of the guys in there. There's really good awesome. guys, even though. It's early days. It's definitely something that we want to keep the quality with and the caliber of. So any yeah. dads out there that want to, you know, rub shoulders and not just rub shoulders in the fact that you get to know Anthony, but really want to um, gain from his insights and learn from his experience and 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 let his passion rub rub off on you like it has on me tonight and just in our short time that we've known each other, come and join us in the Dad Silicon Arena. And if you don't reach out to him wherever you've heard in the Phoenix way, I will make a post on Instagram and in Facebook. I'll also make a post with the Phoenix way so that people know how to get hold of you. And let's hope this, let's hope this spread like wildfire. And I think I can then ask everybody out there. The only thing you can do, you know, this is all free, you know, do this because we, we love being dads do this because we want to see you step up in the way that I've begun to step up. And I want to step up as well. And the way that you can pay it back is just by paying it forward. Oh, that's quite good. The way that you can pay it back is by paying it forward, is by just sharing this podcast and any other podcast that we've done on the Dad Syndicate um, 
to any father that you think could benefit. And, and Anthony, I don't know who wouldn't benefit from this because whether your son's, like you say, whether your son or your daughter's getting bullied or not, you know, just that focusing your eyes, focusing your body, focusing your mind and focusing your voice and learning those skills as a human being, you know, in communicating well with other people as you grow up, developing confidence and developing into an adult that contributes and cares for society is is essential. So anybody that's listening to it, just because your son's not getting bullied now doesn't mean he won't. And if he doesn't ever, I'm really happy for you like that. But I think you can still use this. Anthony, it's been amazing, man. It worked, I hope. I hope all the audio is good yeah, and sweet. We'll have to see. <laughs> and if it is, then it'll come out on Tuesday. I'm, I'm stoked to have been doing this. I really I appreciate your patience with some of the technical stuff. And uh, yeah, let's connect. Let's keep in touch. And let's hopefully follow this up with a couple more awesome. insightful and powerful conversations. And keep doing what you're doing, man. Because we, as fathers, this is big, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I think that we, we've been conditioned that it's all about the moms, right? And, mm-hmm. and now it really is. It's so nice to be able to go to one place. Um, hey, listen, even listening to Alan's um, podcast, yeah. I listened to Alan's podcast, and I learned from that. I thought that was awesome. Uh, and I never connected with, wow, fathers helping fathers, right? I love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So just keep doing it. I love it. Oh, well, I mean, it's the most important thing because as we spoke about before, I think, and what I do say on the dad syndicate is that I think a lot of the problems in society, including bullying and stuff, come from, you know, a dad deprivation, a lack of father influence yes. or a an abusive father influence. And if you look through the annals of history at every dictator or every criminal or any or any um, any serial killer, I mean, just go on Wikipedia and look at those guys' history, and you'll nearly almost every single case has either a father that wasn't there, an abusive, an alcoholic father, um, and it's it, it's insane. And if you look at the people in your life who aren't stepping up and aren't succeeding, you look at the kids at school, it'll often be linked to a dad that is not present. Now, I'm not saying it's across the board completely like that, and moms are super important. I think mothers do an amazing job, and I think sometimes when us as dads step up and men step up, there can be this feeling that it's like this men's rights and men are so important and fathers are important. Guys, we ain't saying nothing about, did I just say we ain't saying? No. I'm speaking to Americans too much. Uh, We we aren't saying that moms aren't important by saying dads are really important, but damn, you know, step up as a father and see your your children change. And like Anthony says, be be intentional about it. Teach your kids those basics and and do it and and join us on this this quest as the dad syndicate because we are dedicated and I was thinking about this, Anthony, is that it's all about identity. And, you know, if I join the Phoenix Way or my son joins the Phoenix Way, you you get that 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 identity of being part of something. You have that identity right. of being that yeah. kind of thing. And for me, it really stuck with me last night. I just had this little, like, thought of, like, I want the dad syndicate to be something like that. I want it to be an identity that when someone joins that place, they know who the men are there. They know what they're going to get out of it. They yeah. know that if they say I'm part of the dad syndicate, that they're going to step out, that they're going to be held accountable for the way they step up in every seven arenas. And I think that's why we keep the quality strong. And that's why we don't just go for hundreds and, and thousands of people, but really great guys like yourself. So thank you. Sorry for, be, for getting your surname. I'll never do it again. And uh, <laughs> yeah, man, until we, Thanks, until we hit the airwaves again, man. All right, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. And thanks so much to all those guys listening to us. Thanks for subscribing. Those who haven't subscribed, subscribe to the Dad Syndicate podcast. Check us out on Facebook at the Dad Syndicate Arena Group. And check us out on Instagram at the Dad Syndicate. And remember that all the time, energy, and hard work that you put into being the man that your family need and deserve is always going to be worth it. So like Anthony, be relentless. Be relentless.